Well, good morning and welcome to Mitchell Brain this morning. If you're a visitor here, uh, we're glad you're here. Uh, I see this place as family and a time to come to be encouraged and to learn from God's Word. Part of a preacher's responsibility is to declare the glory of God and to encourage one another through the Word. And there's also one other thing that I'm supposed to remind you of. It's daylight savings time next week. So make sure you pay attention to that when uh, church service comes. So uh, I'm declaring to turn your clocks back, I believe, right? Right, fall back. So even though it's winter back. So anyway, well, today it's about developing your character. Uh, Pastor John has been talking about being the message uh, where we live and work and play. Uh, if you are a believer in Christ, uh, your faith is just not at your job, or your faith is just not at your, uh, with your family at home. It's your faith encompasses everything, and it affects everything. And so we are. this is about developing your character, but it's really about a heart issue. It's where your heart is. And we're, today we're going to be in Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 12, and we're going to be in the Beatitudes. We've all heard those before, and we're going to be in them again today. Let's go ahead and pray. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for this time. I thank you for the snow that has fallen and the cold. Uh, It reminds us of your beauty, of your creation. Thank you for that. Thank you for the power that you speak uh, into our lives, whether it's through the weather or through your creation of a wildflower on a prairie uh, field. Uh, Thank you for that, Jesus. Lord, I pray as we spend time in your word today that uh, most of all you would be glorified and most of all that our hearts would uh, be in turn, that we would uh, have a more intimate walk with you, Lord. And I just pray these things in your name. Amen. Well, it should be the greatest desire in all of us to strive for personal holiness and purity. After all, we were created for God's glory, and the only way we can bring Him glory is to operate from a pure heart. It is the heart that is the root. What flows out of the heart is the fruit of our walk with Christ. We need to be waging war against sin in our lives. That should be a daily thing. If we allow sin to gain a foothold, it affects everything in our lives, our relationships with family and at work and at play. To master our heart affects our thoughts, our behavior, our words, Everything flows out of the well-being of our heart. When your heart is right before God, your words will be right, your choices will be right, your deeds will be right. To be the message and share the gospel of Christ with others, our hearts need to be right with God. And we have an opportunity every Thanksgiving to be the hands and feet of Christ to others when we deliver those meals so that families can see Christ. Uh, I can... It has, had a, it has a profound effect, and I'm sure others can testify to this, of sharing and giving meals to people. You go into their homes and you say, here, here's a Thanksgiving meal. And a lot of times there's tears that are shed, uh, stories that are told. And it's an awesome time to pray and to spend time with people and to touch people's lives. Uh, people need to see the hand of God, uh, and know that people care, that God cares. And God uses His children, believers in Christ, to, to share and be like Jesus. Well, in Matthew 5, the Beatitudes 
in the Beatitudes that Jesus is emphasizing the heart. It is said that these are the attitudes that ought to be. Other than in chapter 4, when Jesus said, Repent, for the kingdom of God is near, the Beatitudes are the inauguration of our Lord's ministry. This is the description of what it means to be a repenter, to enter the kingdom of God. It is the greatest sermon ever preached by the greatest preacher that ever preached. And the greatest expositor giving the purest purest interpretation of the law. And Jesus defines for us who can enter the kingdom of God. Those who have come repentant before God and have exercised faith in Jesus Christ. And he was speaking to the Pharisees. He was confronting them because they were outwardly religious. They were concerned with the externals. We live in a society where, and culture where it's all about what we wear and how our hair looks and and the, the image that we put out and our reputation. And we're very much like that. But God is, Jesus is concerned about the heart. And so Jesus calls for a heart-searching repentance because it does start with the heart. So let's read in Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. He opened his mouth and began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Blessed are the poor in spirit, as it says in verse 3. One who is poor in spirit comes to the realization that they are spiritually bankrupt. That they cannot add anything to what Jesus did on the cross. We come spiritually bankrupt. To be poor in spirit is a deep humility of recognizing one's own spiritual bankruptcy apart from God. This describes those who are acutely conscious of their own lostness. We are conscious of that we are lost without Christ. That we are without hope apart from Christ, but apart from divine grace. What does Jesus say in John 15? Apart from me, you can do nothing. Verse 4, blessed are those who mourn. It is coming to the realization that I am spiritually bankrupt and that I am broken over my sin before a holy God. This is a godly sorrow that leads to repentance. We know the story of David and his sin with Bathsheba and against God. And he says, and David comes broken over his sin in Psalm 51. In verse 3, he says, I know my transgressions. My sin is ever before me. He realized he needed to take care of business with God. His sin was ever before him. Verse 5, blessed are the gentle or blessed are the meek. Maybe your version says meek. And a lot of times we try to equate meek with weak, but it doesn't mean weakness. It means and holy and uh, spirit-empowered self-control. And this is a reference 
to a, I heard of a, a reference to a wild stallion that has no master, and it runs where it wants to run, and it goes where it wants to go. And it, so to be gentle is to have that control empowered by the Holy Spirit. To be a wild stallion, this is the illustration of what it is for us before Christ. This is us before Christ. We do whatever we want. We think what we want. We say what we want. And then in repentance and salvation, we submit to the Lordship of Christ. Verse 6 says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. It is at this moment that we realize our lives are but filthy rags. I am broken over my sin. I submit to Christ because I am broken, and now I hunger and thirst for a righteousness that is not my own. Martin Luther called it a foreign righteousness or an alien righteousness. It's something we can't identify with. It it is given to us by what Christ did on the cross. And so we did nothing for it, and we must hunger and thirst for that in our lives. So the question is, do you hunger and thirst for His righteousness in your life? Is it your greatest desire? You've given your life over to Christ. You're born again. You're saved. Jesus says you must be born again. And now you start this process of sanctification, of holy living. Is it your greatest desire to seek His righteousness? So the first four Beatitudes are a sequential progression. So we come to the realization that we're spiritually bankrupt. We come broken over our sin. We come under the loving authority of Christ in humility. And we begin the process of growth where we hunger and thirst for his righteousness by growing up in our salvation. It is now a life process that we are involved in daily. It's a daily process. And we do this day to day that we walk humbly, that we're broken before God over sin, that we walk in meekness and gentleness and that we strive for a practical righteousness. This is a humble walk. The next four Beatitudes that I'm going to go over pertain to those who have entered the kingdom of God. You are now a child of God, adopted in the family of God. You are a saint in Christ. That's hard for me to believe, but that's what the Word says. So if I'm a saint, hey, I'm a saint. I don't need 100 years after my death for some committee to decide that. I'm a saint in Christ. Uh, I'm getting to the point where I'm an uh, an older saint, uh, but I'm a saint in Christ no matter what. So um, Jesus calls me a saint. He calls you who are your child. If you are a child of God, you're a saint in Christ. You are adopted into the family. Verse 7 says, Blessed are the merciful. These are those who have been shown the greatest mercy and is a divine mercy, and it's the grace of, that you've received. This is an opportunity. Uh, today you can grab the Thanksgiving sacks and you can fill them up. For you who have been shown mercy, you can show mercy to others today. I, I think of the, those are great ministries, the Thanksgiving things that we do, uh, Operation Christmas Tr- Child, that the video that you saw. Um, I loved what Tony Evans said about that. It, we would love to bring people to heaven but also we bring heaven down to people. Those, did you see those smiles and those, those laughter on those kids' faces? That's pretty awesome. They, people are being in the hands and feet of Christ uh, to those people. Well, verse 8 says, Blessed are the pure in heart, 
You don't have to turn to it, but Psalm 24, verse 3 and 4 says, Who may ascend to the hill of the Lord? Who has, he who has a clean, hand, clean hands and a pure heart. We must have a pure heart if we are to approach a holy God. This is the connection between justification and sanctification. Justified, and the play on that word is justified, never sinned. God looks at us through Christ, justified, never sinned. And we start that process of growth in Christ. You have been justified by God and now begin a life of growth and holiness and purity of heart. We know that it is no longer us who lives, but Christ that lives in us. Galatians 2.20 I have been crucified with Christ and it is I that no longer lives, but Christ lives in me. We are to be like Christ to others. Verse 9 says, Blessed are the peacemakers. These are, they's, these are they that desire to bring those that are at enmity with God into a relationship with God through the gospel of Christ. These are they that bring the message. We're to be the message. It's hard for us to be the message if we're not in the word and we're not going before God, broken over our sin and asking for his forgiveness and being cleansed of our unrighteousness. In order to be the message, we have to to be prepared and be ready before God. What does the word gospel mean? It means good news. Why would we ever be afraid of sharing the gospel? It's good news, right? We need to share the gospel. We need to be the message. And sometimes just being the message and living in front of people, uh, hopefully uh, we use words sooner rather than later in sharing the truth. I, I've had the awesome experience. Uh, I, I view my job as a mission field. I work with a local high school as an athletic trainer doing sports medicine. And, uh, and I, I get to share about Jesus Christ with football players and volleyball players and share my testimony um, and not be afraid about that. But uh, I share. And uh, I share with them about the transforming power of Christ in a person's life. They know, those football players know what I was like before Christ. I've been able to share that, and they know that. But then they've seen, and they know from my testimony what I am now. And they just can't understand it. They're blinded to it because the culture and society um, blinds them to that. It blinds us. We are blinded by Satan on that. But I share, and we plant the seed, and God will water it. Somewhere down the road, sometime down the road. So the emphasis by Jesus is the heart. Jesus is after your heart. It is with your heart that you know and love God. It is with your heart that your steps are directed. It is with your heart that you think and feel and decide. It is with your heart that you show the real you. It is what you believe in your heart. Proverbs 4, 23 through 27 says, Keep your heart with all vigilance or diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. Put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Pander the path, ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or the left. Turn your foot away from evil. Your version in, the, in verse 23 may say diligence, but what does, it, does that mean? How are we supposed to keep our, keep our hearts with all vigilance or diligence? 
But that means that we need to keep careful watch for possible danger in our lives and our walk uh, as we go through life. Solomon said, watch over your heart, for from it flows the issue of life. Psalm 23, 7 says, for as a man thinks, so he is. So if we're thinking upon anything else other than the word of God, that's who we are. It comes out. What out of our heart? What out of out of our heart flows? That's what people get. That's what out of our mouth comes. The two greatest commandments Jesus said was to love the Lord your God with all your heart, and basically love others, love your neighbor, love people, love your enemies. How about that? That's what Jesus said. We are to love our enemies. But can we do that without loving God first? I, th- I think when Jesus said the two greatest commandments are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind and strength, he wanted that first because it's by loving God, by being in his word, that we can love our enemies, whatever, whoever they are, those that persecute us for our faith in Christ, those who ridicule us, those who laugh at us. I've had people laugh. It's, it's okay. They hated Christ. They'll hate, they hated me. They hate Christ. That's just the way it is. So where is your heart? Now, I know I've been in that seat, and I've been in paying, trying to pay attention at different functions and events and stuff like that. So where is your heart? I know that you are here physically, but where is your heart? How many times in prayer do we start praying and asking God for this and that? And yet, out of that, we get distracted and we start thinking of the concerns of the day and the worries and everything we have to get done. Uh, where is your heart? What did Jesus say to the Pharisees in Matthew fifteen eight? He says, they honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. It's not enough just to show an outward, external uh, honor. It's not enough. Our hearts need to be in that. Matthew fifteen eighteen and 19, Jesus says, But the things that proceed out of the mouth come from, from the, come from the heart, and those defile the man. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, slanders. These are the things which defile the man. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile the man what comes out of mouth comes from the heart it's what we really believe and today i wanted to go over five topics and the first one there is the priority of the heart the priority of the heart is what we is all that we are on the inside jesus prioritizes the heart the heart is the mind emotion and the will the entirety of the heart your heart is the rudder of your life you think of a large ship and it has a rudder, or even a sailboat has a small rudder, whatever. Not a sailboat. That's directed by the sails, right? But uh, you think of a boat, and it has a rudder, and that small rudder directs and, and takes it wherever it wants. Your heart is the rudder of your life. The heart encompasses the center of our being. The heart is the root of the tree. If the root is right, the fruit will be right. Right? Okay? I turn to Psalm 1. Psalm 1, chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, it says, How blessed is the man who does not walk 
in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And whatever he does, he prospers. Are your roots deepened by daily immersion into the word of God? I think of the storms we've had this last uh, summer and early fall. Uh, We had this uh, monsoon-like storm. And the day after, I noticed that there was a lot of trees that were blown over, and it was evident that these trees had really uh, short root systems. And so I was like, wow, that's really a great illustration, Lord, that you're showing me, because uh, in order to not be blown about by every wind of doctrine, our roots need to go down deep. Uh, Are your roots, is your time in the Word, is your study, is your time in the Word daily, is it, are you deepening the roots uh, so that the right fruit will come out in your life of peace, patience, goodness, kindness, all of those. So if we have a shallow root system, we're going to be blown about by every wind of doctrine. Number three, or number number two is the purity of the heart. (laughs) Jesus called for purity. He says, blessed are the pure in heart. This implies that those who are impure are not blessed, that they are condemned. We know that before Christ, we are condemned, but it says in Romans 8, 1, Therefore there is now no, non, no condemnation for those who are in Christ. So blessed are the pure in heart. Jesus is calling for purity of mind and our motives and our affections. Proverbs seventeen three says he is calling for a heart that is singularly devoted to Christ. And Paul in Philippians 3, verse 8, I ask you this question, is everything else, he says, everything else is dung or manure or garbage, whatever your version says, compared to that of knowing Christ. Is that your attitude? Is that your life? Is everything else uh, meaningless compared to that of knowing Christ? He calls us to be holy and pure. Number three is the problem of the heart. Our hearts are marred by sin. Jeremiah 17.9 says our hearts are deceitful above all things. They are, it is desperately wicked. Solomon said our hearts are given to do evil. Sin will make you stupid, right? Why else does a man leave his wife for the secretary? The heart of man is ruined and corrupted. Jesus said out of the heart proceed evil thoughts. Wickedness is already there in the heart. That is the problem of the heart, and only Jesus can change the heart. Man looks at the outward appearance, but God changes the heart. There's evidence of this, and God says this in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7. He says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For God sees not as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. How much would that change us if we trained ourselves to not judge people on their outward appearance? You see somebody walking down the street with nose rings and tattoos and uh, leather jackets and whatever, and I'm not saying tattoos are bad, uh, but you just get this perception, and automatically you think, okay, this person's like that. Well, how much different would it be if we would 
look at others like Christ looks at us and the grace and the mercy that we're supposed to show, how much would that change us? How much of a difference would that make? Number four is the purifying of the heart. If our hearts, this implies, if our hearts are impure, then how can they become pure? And I think we're all familiar with this verse, Psalm 119, verses 9 and 11. It says and makes reference to how can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to the word. The word is paramount in purifying our hearts. It brings us conviction. It shows us who we are, really are, okay? It really shows us who we are, and only God can give a pure heart. We know purity is an inside job that only by the transforming power of the Holy Spirit can be done. Ezekiel 36, 25, I love this because it shows us what God does in a believer's heart, a person's heart, and changes them. It says, Ezekiel 36, verses 25 through 27, Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will be careful to observe my ordinances. A heart of stone doesn't beat. Does it doesn't move. It's not living and active. But when God comes into a heart, He makes it a heart of flesh. It becomes living and active. And it, and besides the physical part of that, that it pushes blood through the system, and we live and breathe. Uh, it becomes a dwelling place for Christ, because Jesus is in us. He dwells in us. Is He dwelling comfortably, or is He continuing to always deal with sin in your life? Is he dwelling comfortably? Number five is the privilege of the pure in heart. What is the privilege of the pure in heart? It is that they will see God. How awesome will that be that we will come face to face with our Savior when we leave, when we breathe our last breath? How awesome will that be that we get to see God? I think we see God in a lot of things. I think we see God in in the encouragement that we receive from other people, we see God and the mercy that we show to others. Um, people see Christ in us uh, through the Thanksgiving that we're going to be doing, Thanksgiving uh, bags that we're going to be doing, ministering to people. We see God in the power of his creation, whether that's a hurricane or a tornado or a hailstorm. Sorry, I had to say that. That's powerful. It can be of God. We see God in that. And it brings us to a point where we have to say, why God, and I'm going to trust in you, God, for everything. We see God in the ordering events in our lives and the lives of other people. There are really no maverick molecules in the, in the universe. They all exist to obey an almighty God. So for us to be the message, we need to know the message. We need to be in the word. But also our hearts need to be right with God. We need a pure heart, a heart that loves God and loves our enemies. And today, we celebrate communion. It's a time for us to remember what Christ did on the cross for us. The worship team is going to come up, and they're going to play. And as they play, then you can come forward 
And as we remember, as we drink of the juice and eat of the, the cracker, it's a time to remember what Christ did. So as you sit there, confess sin and come clean before God and approach God with a pure heart. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this time. And Lord, as the worship team comes up and as leads us in this time, Lord, I thank you for your word that it is word that brings conviction. It is word that sets us free. It is the word that that shows us that you care and that we are to cast all our cares upon you. Lord, I just pray for this time that we would remember what you've done for us. I pray these things in your name. Amen.